This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening and welcome to Music for Life, music from DePaul. In this episode, Matt Champagne chats with Eric Edberg about his recent performance with May Pong of Albert Schnitke's second cello sonata. With our fall musical right around the corner, Hannah Gothier has a special audience with King Arthur and his assistant Patsy, also known as Derek Truby and Dylan Prentice. We share some performances from Thompson Recital Hall and Kresge Auditorium, and Burke Stanton talks to Professor Ron Dye about this week's guest, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, a group which brings together terrific roots musicians to revive, recycle, and reimagine traditional American music. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePaul School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for music for life. A couple of Wednesdays ago on September 16th, cello professor Eric Edberg and piano professor May Pong gave a recital in Thompson Recital Hall. Joining me today to talk about that is Eric Edberg. Hi, Eric. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for coming in. It's my pleasure. So you performed a sonata by Alfred Schnitka and another one by Prokofiev. That's right. And we called the program Gifts from Slava because Mstislav Rostropovich, probably the greatest cellist of the 20th century, whose nickname was Slava, and everybody called him Slava, is the reason that both of these pieces exist. He inspired Prokofiev, who had stopped composing by the time uh, Rostropovich was a student at the Moscow Conservatory to start composing again and to write some major cello works. Wow. And he was also a champion of the music of Alfred Schnitka, who was born in 1934, and so must have been you know, very close in age to uh, Rostropovich, and not that well known in the United States, especially among general audiences, but uh, people are really into new music, and especially Soviet and Russian music of the 20th century. Uh, know about this really kind of dark, brooding, chaotic, and and sometimes joyful music that Schnitka wrote. Schnitka was known for a style called polystylism. Tell me about that. Yes. So he wrote pieces that were, you know, very eclectic in nature. Maybe in some ways kind of a forerunner of some of the things that we talk about with the 21st century musician initiative that we hear lots of young composers who listen to music from different genres and and combine them uh, in ways so that their their music has a kind of unlabelable quality because it it draws on disparate traditions and uh, Schnitka was you know fond of uh, the tonal classical music tradition of the atonality and serialism sure. of Schoenberg and his followers of Russian folk music. And so you get uh, passages in the same piece that are extraordinarily dissonant and chaotic, and mm-hmm. then and then there'd be a, a kind of folk dance that, oh, yeah, I love that, that just shows up all of a sudden. Yeah. I understand that there were some audience incentives for this concert. <laughs> yeah, you know, last week when we did, or the week before last, whatever it was, there were three evening faculty recitals in a row, and we were concerned about having audience. And on Monday night, I was sitting in this incredible Schubert, Dishona Mullerin, was that what they did? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Recital in Thompson. It was so gorgeous, and I was thinking, man, I 
really want to have an audience for May and I, because this is our first recital that we've played together just as a duo. And I got the idea to have a door prize. And then I started talking about it with students. I said, we've never done this. You know, pe- people do this at fairs and, bake, you know, s- school fundraisers. That's and really funny. So I, I talked with one of my classes at my cello students, and what we finally settled on was having a gift certificate to Almost Home. Oh, nice. Uh, and also uh, taking... Uh, a collection for a charity. So we had two winners. One person won this gift certificate to Almost Home, which is a restaurant here in Greencastle. Oh, yeah. And nice another one. person uh, got to pick a charity, and that person uh, picked the, the homeless shelter. So we raised uh, $98 for the homeless shelter, and somebody's getting a very nice dinner for two. Well, that's just Home. terrific. That's and, great. And uh, we had a good audience. All right. So what should we listen to from the Schnitka? Well, I'm going to suggest that we listen to the first two movements. Uh, the first movement is marked senza tempo, without, without a tempo, without a, 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 a particular speed. So it's very improvisatory. And when you hear it, especially if you're in a car or listening on headphones, you may want to turn the volume way up at the beginning because the piano plays a C, two octaves below middle C, pianissimo, actually an octave below that, so three octaves below middle C, and then the cello plays very softly, ponticello, which is when you put the bow right next to the bridge and get a scratchy, indistinct sound. And I start on a C sharp, so the piano has played a C that's just ringing, and the cello plays this kind of spooky C sharp, and then just climbs up fragments of a chromatic scale. And as this movement unfolds, the cello part expands and the tessitura or the the range increases. The cello goes higher and higher and gets louder and louder. And the piano continues only to play this low C. Eventually, as the music increases, other octaves are added to it. But it's just these Cs uh, punctuating the, the cello part. And it was a really interesting process for us because we we had to kind of talk through and, and get a, a common sense of when the piano plays, the piano's always playing uh, between gestures of the cello, but when the piano comes in, is the piano cutting off the cello or is the piano starting something new or is the piano ending the gesture that the cello mm-hmm. has done? So it could be you know, an ending, an interruption, or a new beginning. And it doesn't have to always be played the same way every time. So that was really fascinating. The second movement, which is marked allegro, which you know, means fast, starts uh, with one loud sforzando low C on the cello against a B and a C in the piano that are s- separated by a ninth, and just bop. And then, then the cello plays two C's an octave apart, bop, bop. And then three, bop, bop, bop. And it continues on to the, the cello plays a gesture of 12 C's in a row in different octaves, and then goes on this kind of what sounds like a crazy, almost arbitrary series of notes, but it really is just a chromatic scale with lots of what we call octave displacement. So you have like C sharp and then a D that's almost two octaves higher and a D sharp, an octave above that and then an E and then you go down an octave to 
an F and then the F sharp and the next octave down and the G and the next octave down below that. And it's not always readily apparent because it's jumping around so much. Mm. So that, that for quite a while that stays really chaotic and you, until you get about a third to a halfway through the movement. And then all of a sudden it's in a very clear 6-8 and becomes very dance-like and you're just kind of listening to this folk tune. And the piano again has been kind of punctuating what the cello was done, then we, then we get much more interactive and are playing gestures off one another. And when we finally get to the end of the movement, then the cello holds a long C for about 10 measures while the piano does gestures against that. So it's kind of the counterbalance to the first movement where the piano was holding the Cs. All right. Well, why don't we give that a listen? Terrific. Thanks for coming in, Eric. You're welcome. So this is going to be the first and second movement of the Sonata Number no. 2 for Cello and Piano by Alfred Schnitke. Movement 1 is entitled Senza Tempo, and Movement 2 is the Allegro. Yeah, and we should probably mention that I am playing in this recording uh, a carbon fiber cello made by the Lewis and Clark Company in Boston. All right. Thanks again for coming in. You're welcome.
Music lovers, this is Hannah Gothier with the events calendar for the week of September 28th. On Monday the 28th at 8 p.m., there will be a jam session with Jamie Stone's Lomax Project at Music on the Square. On Tuesday the 29th at 7.30, there will be a faculty select series concert with Rob Danforth on horn with guest Tony Niffin on the tuba, and that is going to be in Thompson Recital Hall at 7.30. On Wednesday the 30th, the opera callbacks will be going on starting at 5.40. On Thursday, October 1st, the DePauw musical Spamalot will be opening, and that's going to run from October 1st 
through the 3rd at 7.30 and October 4th with a matinee at 3 p.m. On Saturday, October 3rd at 3 p.m., there will be a Faculty Select Series concert featuring Mei Pong on the piano, and that will be in Thompson Recital Hall at 3 p.m. And on Sunday, October 4th, the DePaul University Band will be giving a concert in Kresge at 1.30 p.m. And they will be playing all sorts of pieces from all throughout history. So that is sure to be a very exciting concert, so make sure you get in. And that concludes the events calendar for the week of September 28th. Thank you very much and have a great week. From the 2015 CD, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, here's Hog Went Through the Fence Yoke.
The DePaul Performing Arts Series brings a fascinating array of performers to Greencastle audiences each year. Joining me to tell us about the next event in that series is series coordinator, Professor Ron Dye. Welcome to Music for Life, Professor Dye. Thank you, Mark. So the upcoming performance is Jamie Stone's Lomax Project. This Sunday, the 27th at 7 p.m. Professor, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about who Jamie Stone is and what the Lomax Project is. Well, Jamie Stone is probably one of the most innovative five-string banjo players who's working in the roots music field these days. He's from Canada, and he's done a lot of really interesting work collecting and interpreting traditional American music, but not only American music, he's also done music from different countries in West Africa and Bulgaria and Brazil and all kinds of different places. His banjo playing is sort of in the style of Bela Fleck, who a lot of people might be more familiar with, but With this particular project, he and some other musicians, including a fiddler and guitar player and bassist, they've gone through a lot of the music that Alan Lomax collected in the early part of the 20th century. Alan Lomax is probably one of the most well-known collectors of music and folklorist and ethnomusicologist, and he actually got started collecting music with his father, John Lomax, And they went all over the United States and elsewhere, but primarily in the United States, and collected every different kind of music that they could find. So they did Native American, you know, drum music. They did Bahaman singing. They did gospel music from the Georgia Sea Islands. They went inside prisons and collected songs from different people. So there's this huge mass of collected music that Alan Lomax and his father collected and Jamie Stone and his collaborators went through some of this vast library of music and they came up with their own traditionally based but still innovative and progressive interpretations of a lot of these different songs. That's fascinating because they're walking a line between on one hand paying tribute to traditional music and on the other hand pushing it forward in new ways for new audiences to listen to. Could you speak a little bit about how you feel they navigate well, I think, they're, I think, one, they're virtuosic musicians, and this is simply the, you know, the field of music that they've chosen to pursue. Um, I think that it's very accessible music. I think people would find things that feel familiar to them and feel sort of old-fashioned, but at the same time, as you say, they're pushing things ahead. And, and I think that that's, that's probably what the best of the Americana and Roots musicians these days do. They find a way to reinterpret older material that doesn't sound like it ought to be in a museum or something like that. It sounds vital and alive to today's audiences. And and I think this is a group, as led by Jamie Stone, that is at the forefront of people doing that today. And we're very lucky to have him coming here. Could you speak a little bit about how that came about? Well, uh, Jamie has sort of been on my short list of people to try to bring here for several years, and and a couple of different things came together this year that made it seem like a fortuitous time to do it. One, I always keep track of the, the Lotus Music Festival, International Music Festival, that takes place in Bloomington around this time every year. I know the people that run that and we stay in contact and if there are ever artists that we both want to bring that maybe we couldn't afford to bring if we didn't do it together 
we try to do that. And so Jamie was on that list of about three or four artists this year for both Lee Williams of the Lotus Music Festival and myself. And then Jamie came here to DePaul in this past summer as part of the Global Musician Workshop. And so he was one of the performers and on the faculty of the week-long residency. I got to meet and talk with Jamie, and it just seemed like because I had wanted to bring him here anyway, and then I, I felt like the, the School of Music would probably get behind it more than they might, you know, given that he had been here as part of that group. So it just seemed like a really good time to try to bring him, you know, a number of different factors fell into place at the same time, so. Well, it's fortunate for us, and thank you for your role in bringing him. Professor Dai, thank you very much for joining us on the well, program. Thank you for having me. And we hope that our listeners join us on Sunday, the 27th, at 7 p.m. in Thompson to listen to Jamie Stone's Lomax Project. Here are two more songs from the Jamie Stone's Lomax Project CD. Lazy John and Sheep Sheep Don't You Know the Road. Oh, 
you know the road? Yes, Lord, I know the road. Don't you know the road by the marching on home? Yes, Lord, I know the road. Don't you know the road by the marching on home? Yes, Lord, I know the road. Don't you know the road by the playing of the Singing of the song. Yes, Lord, I know the road. Don't you know the road by the praying of the prayer? Yes, Lord, I know the road. Don't you know the road by the praying of the prayer? Yes, Lord, I know the road. Sheep, sheep, don't you know the road? Yes, Lord, I know the road. Sheep, sheep, don't you know the road? From her junior recital on September 19th, Kristen Danes and Tony Weinstein perform Willow Song from Douglas Moore's opera, The Ballad of Baby Doe.
listeners, I have a very, very special treat for you all today, because with me in the studio, I have the greatest honor of speaking with His Royal Highness, King Arthur, and his trusty steed, Patsy. Thank you so much for coming to join me today. What room are we in right now? This is an honor. Um, thank you. Thank you, Patsy. Um, Where is this? Um... Uh, Where have you brought me? Your Your Majesty, this is the uh, recording studio at DePaul University. DePaul. 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 Yes, yes. I understand that you two have a very specific mission to carry out. Would you care to share with our listeners what that mission is? Patsy, did you tell her? Sorry, sire. This was a sacred quest (laughs) given by God to us. Yes, but why would you tell this peasant? Sire, we need help. We can't find the Holy Grail. Fine, 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 fine. We are in search of the Holy Grail here at Deepaw University in whose castle? Green Castle. Indiana. The United States? Uh, it doesn't exist yet, sir. Well, we are here in Green Castle looking for the Holy Grail. Do you know where it is? I do not. We have spoken to French people, presidents, and people here around, whatever you peasants call it. We are trying to find this, and we need your assistance. Huh. It might be helpful if we could find the Lady of the Lake. Could you tell us where we could find her? Also, she's probably the prettiest girl on this campus. I because, think Sire has a you know, crush. The Lady of the Lake... I will marry her. Oh, oh, I, sire. I, I, oh, I will God. marry her. I'll be the best man. Now, pardon me for interrupting. I'm so sorry, Your mm. Majesty. Um, mm. But I understand, or so I've heard, that a part of finding the Holy Grail is to put on a musical? Is this true? Uh, the worst part of our mission. I hate singing and dancing and music of any sort. Sire, but it just... it. It enlivens your soul. Patsy, I don't want to look on the bright side of life. I want to continue. You won't succeed here, no, Deepo. No. Excuse me, excuse me again, Your Majesty. I'm so sorry. Um, so about this musical, is there anything you're... Any specific show you're putting on? Any ideas you have that you'd care to share with the, the music school here well, at DePaul? Yes, yes, I suppose. Well, as we were riding forth from Camelot, we saw a sign outside and we saw that there was this musical entitled Spamalot that was going on. Mm. I believe that's what you're inferring to. It is, yes, oh, Your Majesty, right, it's correct. Right, right, I'm a quick one. Anyway, <laughs> that will be happening on October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Yeah. Uh, on the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we'll be having the show at 7 o'clock. 7.30, and at f- I believe, 7:30. Your Majesty, I'm so sorry. Did you just correct me? She did, sir, but I, I think we. Uh, it, she's right. Very well. 7.30, and on the 4th, it will be at 3 p.m. Is that correct, yes. Mrs.? Oh, Am I right? I'm so sorry, okay. Your Majesty, but that is that is right. That okay. is right. Mm-hmm. So, is this your doing? Did you enlist DePaul to put this on? Well, uh, they, they did send me mail through sources to perform in this musical, and uh, I haven't given my answer yet, but... Uh, I believe I'll make an appearance. And what about you, Patsy? Have you anything to do with this? Oh, Hannah, you know that I'm right behind Sire, but you know that I love music. Uh, You know, I always try to get Sire to whistle, but he struggles a bit. So, you know, I I love to sing, and and I am absolutely involved in this spam a lot. And, you know, I really do like spam as well, so I will be there. Patsy is insensitive. He knows that I cannot whistle because I have lipphonia. My lips cannot curve in 
and I cannot blow air out of them. That's not he really He is insensitive, and he always brings it up all the time. He knows that I am jealous of him because he can whistle. Uh, sire, if you just put your lips together and whistle, it'll I all can't be fine. Bu- it'll be watch, fine. Watch, watch. Sire, that is absurd. Please stop. Pepsi, stop laughing. Look on the bright side of life, sire. Fine. It's much better over here. I'll look over there. Thank you. So as a part of this musical... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you crying? No. I'm just... I know it's a lot being in front of me. Sire, I think she's laughing at you. Laughing? No, Your Majesty, I'm not. I'm not laughing at you, I promise. Let's continue. Can you tell us anything else about this musical that you're putting on? Is anyone assisting you in this process? Well, Sire has his crew of knights of Camelot, mm. um, and they are quite a bunch. Sire, please tell Hannah about the knights. Oh, Well, I have enlisted specific people to help me on my quest. First, we have Sir Robin. He uh, can't seem to hold in his bowels. <laughs> oh, Sire, Very yes. funny, very funny. <laughs> and then we have Sir Galahad. He's a new member. And then we have Sir Bedivere. And then Batty, of course. Oh, thank you. And I am leading them on our search. What about Sir Lance? Sir La- oh, I always forget about Sir Lance a lot. <laughs> always skipping around and doing <laughs> silly things. He's a special one. Sounds like quite a group you have there. Yes, it is. Your Majesty. Yes. Now, what about the musical itself? The production? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Well, I have to say, there was one peasant specifically that... Caught my eye early in this process, and his name is Andrew Hayes. Yes, of course, of course. He seems to really understand who we are and wants to capture our essence yes. in this musical Absolutely. that I hate. He will be directing and has helped us a lot throughout the process here. And then we have, of course, uh, Stephen Linville as the music director telling me what to sing at the right time on the right beat. Important, important. Important, of course, of course. course. Uh, Patsy, would you like to speak about the production team? Well, you know, it is a joy to work with people. Like Sire said, they know us so well. I'm not quite sure how, because we've never met them, but they just know us so well. And and Laura Lloyd, the stage manager, is leading us here and there. And, you know, know, we just sing and dance. Oh, Deb Grammel tells us where to put our feet, and she taught me how to tap dance you know there's tapping in in Spamalot here and what I, I a just spectacle it, ex, it, of course Hannah and it is a joy I get to sing and tap dance she has dance. found several pairs of shoes with silver plates on the, the bottom bot- that must be worth millions and when we move our feet fast on the floor they make excessive amounts of clapping noises. It is incredible. I don't know where she got them, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. insisted that I wear them throughout the whole production. And I don't know how I feel about that, but apparently it's what she wants. It sounds great. Oh, you know, in speaking of tapping, you know, as I am trusty steed, we do ride horses the whole show. So if you'd like to come see that, that is quite a A live horse. Live. Live horses. It's real. Me, I'm the trusty steed. Oh, oh, oh. That's wonderful. That's really, really wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I am king. Sire is the king. Of the Britons. We're not the Britons, so... She speaks to me like this. How dare you? I don't... Patsy, let's go. Okay. We are on our way. Forgive her, Sire, please. She doesn't know. I'll forgive you this time, but it's because you look so similar to the Lady of the Lake. Oh, yes. Thank you. That, yes. I'm going to take that as a compliment, you Your Majesty. She's beautiful. Oh, 
How yes. kind. Oh, yes. Okay, off we go, sire. Okay, here we go. Well, that was certainly a treat. <laughs> <laughs> From the original cast recording of Spamalot, here's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is a total bloody disaster. All my knights have fled, and we're lost in a dark and very expensive forest. Well, it could be worse. Well, how could it possibly be worse? Oh, cheer up, sire. You know what they say. What do they say, Patsy? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's grizzle, don't grumble. Give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. You give it a try. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. Well, life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your sin, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow. Always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Life's a piece of shit. When you look at it, life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep on laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. Always look on the bright side of life. Excuse me, 
Is that a shrubbery? Oh, yes. I'm throwing it out. The cat won't leave it alone. Well, what a stroke of luck. I'll take it off your hands. Hey, the lady, Patsy. our show, let's return to Eric Edberg's and May Pong's performance of Alfred Schnitke's second sonata for cello and piano. Here are the final three movements, Largo, Allegro, and Lento.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Music for Life. We love hearing from listeners. You can contact us by emailing musicforlife@depaw.edu. We're also on Facebook at DePaul Music for Life, and you can subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching there for DePaw Music for Life. Our student producers are Hannah Gothier, Burke Stanton, Rachel Amalfitano, and Matt Skiba. Veronica Pedrel is our online editor, and our show is produced by Matthew Champagne in the Judson and Joyce Green Center for the Performing Arts at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. I'm Mark McCoy, Dean of the School of Music. Thank you for listening to our show. Keep music in your life, and have a great week. It's music for life.